0: Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Each week, Andrew Dewing will talk you through the current market, giving you up-to-date information and insider advice. He will also be interviewing a leader in the world of agriculture, and finishing up with farm chat, which includes his favorite bit, where he tastes beer for free. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and his market report.
1: Welcome to the Market Report. What follows is my thoughts or gut instincts of what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market Report, week commencing 14th of Jan 2019. Been a difficult week. The wheat market is teetering on a, a, a slightly weaker mood. So the prices have dropped back a little bit on feed wheat. And it it looks vulnerable at this precise moment, I guess, as we head towards the vote, then we will find maybe a bit of clarity this week. So I think that um, I don't think you can really call the market uh, likely to collapse or likely to zoom up unless we get a very, very strong movement in the pound, which is obviously a very distinct possibility. So I think I'll stick with prices at the moment and say that Jan and Feb Jan Stroke Feb movement is 170x farm. If you're selling it for May, 175x farm for feed wheat, this is, on old crop. And if we look at new crop, we've been drumming on about that for a long period of time. New crop has come back a little bit, Uh, so harvest is 151 delivered for harvest, and November ex farm is 153.50. The price for November and old crop has kind of eased back a ditty bit. Is it going to collapse this week? No, it's not. There is certainly an element of new crop selling. You know, one or two farmers are getting back to work, and one or two farmers are reacting to the advice given by forward thinking grain merchants like us and others. I think they're all saying, you know, what exactly are you waiting for, and why face a risk on that price dropping? but it's it's still a very good price but i i think we need clarity before we really get the direction in which the, the way the market's going to go on feed barley that's just beginning to lose popularity i'm i'm a bit nervous we haven't managed to sell our stock or our cargo and the price is easing back a bit so ex farm feed barley for february's 162 maybe 163 uh, and new crop as we've explained in previous weeks we we would quantify the value of harvest feed barley at 125 which technically is too cheap against feed wheat but as i said before we haven't got anyone who's buying it from us at the moment on to malting barley old crop we still want to see samples as we or two come forward we've paid people prices in excess of 200 pounds a ton depending on the spec of what they've got so if you've got any out there i don't know what price you would be waiting for other than 200 pounds a ton plus So if you've got a sample of it and you need to... to, I I suggest you need to get into moving that in to to your merchant to look at so they can actually get buying it. New crop, that's that's getting a little bit nervous. I mean, if you you allow the fact that there is a Danish value of new crop October spring barley is worth about £180 a tonne. Now, if you take that as being the value within Europe... We're kind of trading at levels higher than that, or certainly at parity with that. If we have tariffs in the new year, there's going to be £12, 13 £14 pounds worth of negativity to that price if we want to compete, if we produce surplus. So it is a bit of a, a, a strange one. I, I think that you should seriously be looking at fixing a price for at least 50% of your uh, malting barley for next harvest. So values for winter's immediate harvest movement are in the region of 160 delivered and if you're looking at spring barley varieties like planet or propino you're probably about 165 something like that Um, and obviously the laureate concerto concerto with a slight premium you're still going to be around about the 180 mark so they are are fabulous prices and there is obviously this this risk of uh, of tariff on on multi barley trading when we get there finally oilseed rape uh, it's creeping up we're heading for our target price 325x for feb is a couple of quid better the chinese trade talks between america and china seem to be progressing reasonably well that's giving a bit of a boost to the to that market more importantly crude oil has gone up by 15 percent the Saudis have cut back a bit on their production of crude oil and that's having an effect as well so 325x for february old crop oilseed rape and harvest is is creeping upwards it is currently 314 Obviously, both those prices have bonuses to be added. Anyway, let's get on with another good week's trading. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours.
0: Ben Burgess Crop Storage offer a wide range of equipment from handling, processing, and storage of harvested crops. From initial advice on any aspect of crop handling and storage through to design, supply, build and installation of complete intake, drying, dressing and storage plants. The Ben Burgess Aftercare support team includes dedicated technicians who are also on hand to service all crop storage machinery too, so you're always looked after. Visit benburgess.co.uk or search Ben Burgess Crop Storage for more information on how the team can assist you. And now it's time for our feature.
1: This is the second part of our interview with the Small Robot Company, continued from last week. Sam, welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Andrew. And uh, this week we're going we're to move on to some slightly more pressing questions and some things that are kind of uh, stuck in my mind as what won't work and what will work. So I think the first thing I'd like to start with um, in this section is I want to go into um, the detail of farming as a service at the moment farmers do everything themselves they they, they get the tracks or they'll they'll outsource perhaps their sugar beet lifting or, or whatever but the concepts you've got here is where actually you're you are going to be as the business owning the robots and renting it out to the farms to do the work
2: you're right. So farmers at the moment are, are like the, the sort of archetypal generalists, aren't they? They do everything. They're mm-hmm. you know they're agronomists, they're chemists, they're bookkeepers, they're they're business strategists, they're mechanics, they're stockmen, they etc. 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 And there is definitely there would definitely be parts of the of that job that they love um, and parts that they are uh, that they 're brilliant at they 're naturally inclined in that in that area, and parts that they just find exhausting and just you know, just wish they didn 't have to do but they 've got to do it because there 's no one else yeah. and the way that I see robots um, and artificial intelligence working on on farms is that they are a great tool to enable you to delegate or automate the bits. Of your role that um, that don't a need to be done by you or or maybe b that that you that you don't enjoy doing, mm-hmm. and what is it that you as an individual human being are brilliant at? It might be, uh, it might be marketing, it might be strategy, it might be machinery maintenance, and and but but there'll be, it will only be two or three things tops. Um, you know, and and you'll probably do. You know, if you listed all the activities that you do in a week as a farmer, you know, you may you may be getting up to sort of eighty, ninety things, um, different things that, that that you do, and uh, and a load of those don't need to be done by you, or or don't need to be done done in, done in the same way, or maybe don't even need to be done at all, um, and and the and the robotics and AI are just this great tool that um, that enable you to become really clear on what it is that you're good at and 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 these these tools do some do, do the rest for you. Okay. So to explain uh, in more practical terms if that's useful how I see this how I see this working. Mm-hmm. So Tom Dick and Harry to to recap. Tom is monitoring uh, Dick is is crop care. Mm-hmm. Um, and Harry is planting or drilling, and then they're all governed by Wilmer. Wilmer is the the brains and the artificial intelligence that that sort of makes these machines intelligent. The way we see it working is that Tom or multiples of Tom, uh, a, a, a multiple number of Tom's, um, are on the farm all the time. So they they are gathering data on your soil, they're gathering data on your on your plants, and sending that uh, into the into the cloud, um, being sending it into to Wilmer at all times. So you're at a you know you're at a uh, you're at crop tech or you're at um you know at, at a grain conference or something and you're not on your farm that data is still being gathered so there is still there is still something monitoring your fields making sure that making sure that nothing is wrong and then when there is a when there is a problem or there is an application that needs to happen there's a weeding job that needs to happen or there's a there's a spraying job that needs to happen then uh dick and harry Turn up on your farm and and dick and harry won 't live on live on your farm. they will serve a few farms in the locality so there'll be a there 'll be a norfolk hub and uh, and there 'll be um, you know which may be on a farm or it may be you know on the outskirts of a town or something and and there'll be a few action robots if you like crop care planting robots. That are going around those round those farms and just doing the jobs that that need that need doing um, at that time
1: are they I mean this is the bit where, where my brain starts to get stretched precision planting that 's easily easily done. You have mm-hmm. a, a small machine it, it can 't carry too much weight, so no. you, you have to go to a, a central hopper point
2: yeah, so a hopper on the headland that, well, it, but it 's automatically refilling and uh, and so you could you know, the idea was that you could leave it overnight on the just to sort of carry on on the, on, on, on the drilling one you could leave it overnight. And it uh, and and it, and it will travel in a, a much wider range of conditions than your forty-ton tractor and drill combo today. You know this 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 thing is gonna it's gonna weigh a few hundred kilos fully fully loaded with with seed. So the working window will be much wider, mm. um, and we see it being beneficial in terms of. Uh, creating a more ideal scenario for each individual seat, but also bringing the the headland back into play is probably it, the, is probably the major. Is, thing. Is
1: there is there? I mean, obviously the, the 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 machine going backwards and forwards is going to have compaction in a, on a smaller scale, but it's over lots and lots more trips. Yeah. So, so does that mean there's equal compaction? Because in the end, you've travelled over it thirty times at half a ton, as opposed to twice at
2: te- no, ten No. So tons. so the 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 downforce on each wheel the ground pressure on each wheel is going to be less than a human being
1: okay i can i get the the mon- the, the probing of the soil i get the planting of the seed i get the analysis of of, of uh you know where where plants are mm. what i don't get is if you have a plant that is you know booting or is going through the process and the, and the, the nodes are elongating or whatever you know you're getting some height on the plant it's 6 inches to a foot tall, it's not just grass mm-hmm. on the floor. You are going to have something that physically will have to run over the top of the plant, and I can't, I can't get my head around that bit. Yeah, so,
2: so what we've got to get right is the balance between ground pressure and and, and wheel width and mm-hmm. and and seed spacing. So, so we are we're going through a redesign. So you may have seen I don't know if people have seen videos of of our small robots trundling around, um, but the thing we've got at the moment is a is a real cheap. Put together, bought Mm -hmm. with bits off eBay, um, because we're we're a pre-funding startup still. So we we are looking to design something that. Will travel over a wheat crop at any stage in its in its in its growth, and um, without damaging the crop, and, and basically travel between the rows, so um so a, so, a, so we're talking about uh, in time a slightly wider seed spacing. I mean, many people yeah, already there's, plant there's like, you know so plant rows wider more than
1: seed, seeds. Uh, that's the yeah. only thing I could I could think oh, Okay, but then are you not going to optimise the, the the potential of the field?
2: Well, so so we've got to so we've got to work through exactly what the model looks like here, and we. I don't think we really know that yet, as an industry. I don't think we really know what the what the optimum spacing is. You know, are we out competing um, our, our our wheat crop at the, in, in our in our wheat fields at the moment? You know, we know that when we plant a field, we go, well, that's the seed rate, so we'll do that plus twenty percent um, because we know that you know that not all of it's not all of it's going to germinate. Well, why why is it not germinating? Is it because we're because it because it's out competing, you know the mm. there's uh, you know or it's it's you know the, it, not each seed is in the, is in the optimum optimum environment. so so I don't think you know we need to have a rethink on that, I think as, as an industry and work out what is the optimum. the best the, what what is the best spacing because what we've got at the moment, and I come back to this uh, is designed around making the machine as efficient as possible. You know we've got we've got row spacings and a and a drill that looks like it does because it has been designed to cover as much ground as possible and then we think well how can we make this drill a bit better well we'll make it a bit wider and we'll make it a bit you know we'll put a more powerful tractor on the, on the front but but what we're talking about doing is designing a system that maximises the potential for each plant to achieve uh, yeah, okay. what, it, what it's, it ergonom- optimum. it's optimum. Yeah,
1: yeah. So and, and and that's where you you bring in perhaps a nitrogen-fixating plant in the future, where we we have to reduce the amount of ammonium nitrate we chuck on then. You, you you're actually able to put a seed of wheat and a seed of something else that's going to nurture it at a certain growth yeah. stage. It's get the timing of the two.
2: So firstly, if we're placing an individual seed in the ground, what can we put in at the same time that then minimises how many times we need to go over the field? So can we have um, slow-releasing aphocytes? Can we have slow-releasing nitrogen um, that, that goes into the ground at the same point? And can we even – we can't do this yet, but I'm wondering a little – just bear with me whilst we sort of mm. wander into the sci-fi future a little bit. Can we even have um, blobs of – of, of chemical or of fertilizer that are controlled by nanotechnology so that we so that we basically press a button and say release release the release the nitrogen at that point and so we, we're actually immediately getting away from thinking well this has got to be applied with a top dressing with a with a sprayer we put it in with the seed um the technology already exists to be able to do that um but but we just haven't applied it in in farming, so so immediately reducing the amount of stuff that we need to do. Now, of course, we can't predict everything that's going to happen in a in a growing season. So there's still going to need to be some remedial stuff done uh, whilst whilst it's growing. But we shouldn't we should get away from thinking, well, this is you know wheat, and we're going to have you know four fungicide applications and two fertilizer applications, and and not necessarily think that it's going to be exactly the same as it is now, and we're just getting robots to replace what we've always done. What we've got is the opportunity to go back to basics and uh, back to first principles, and say, well, what are we trying to do? We're trying to put a seed in the ground, which, as accurately as possible. We're trying to care through it, care for it throughout its life, with in as much detail as we possibly can, and then treat it with as little waste um, and as much accuracy as we can throughout its life. Now, if we're trying to do that, what's the best way to do it? And then pull in all of the science, all of the technology. Much of which already exists in the world to do that in the best way, but not making the machine the limiting factor in all of our thinking. And, and I want to come back to your point around, yeah, the nitrogen-fixing plant next to the next to the wheat plant, because that's our my ultimate vision would be. So yeah, we're talking about Tom, Dick, and Harry uh, at the moment, but my ultimate vision would be that we also talk about harvesting um, on on a on a per plant basis. Um, so rather than having the combine harvester which is the ultimate the ultimate averager you know we walk into a field and we go well on average this wheat field is good to go so let's go but we we the 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 whole reason that we have uh, monocultures in our in our field uh, single single varieties of of a particular of a particular plant in our field is to make the sprayer and to make the combine as efficient as possible, it is not about how do we use the soil in the best way and it 's not about how do we get the most out of each out of each plant you know wouldn't, we wouldn't we wouldn 't necessarily have um, big square fields with single crops in there you know you might have multiple commercial crops. From a single field, hadn't thought of that. Yeah, you, you might have um, things that things that ripen at different times. You might have the nitrogen fixing plant next to the plant that that needs it, but you could also have environmental schemes in the middle of your field because you've got a patch of ground that's that's a bit rubbish Um, Mm. you know it's not going to produce a profitable Mm. crop Um, and you at the moment what we do there and what we do on our farm when we have a patch (laughs) of ground that's that doesn't drain very well is actually we probably increase the seed rate we just pull that we pull the drill through it probably increase the seed rate Um, we probably um, spend more on chemical on that particular patch we probably spend more on fertilizer on that particular patch because we want it to look like the rest of the field and we want it to ripen at the same time as the rest of the field so that the so that the sprayer's job is efficient and so that the combine driver's job is is, is efficient hmm. but but that, that is a mindset that's
1: thinking about the sprayer and the and the combine That is a mindset that is, yeah. optimization of the of
2: exactly the yeah. exactly so 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 we you know ultimately trying to get away from that and I want to be clear but the listeners that we can't we can't do that yet but but that is that is the way that this technology is leading and and whether it is small robot company that gets their first uh to do this or not i don't know obviously hope it hope it is but i but i very strongly believe that that's the way that that that, that farming is going to go in Sam, the future you
1: know, I, i've actually i've got your thinking i think i mean obviously there's a whole load of stuff i haven't I, i'll think of after you've gone but i i <laughs> I've been imagining a big field and everything being the same and it, there's you, you're actually radically changing uh, production in the context of looking at every square inch and saying it's going to be wheat between this point and that point and then it's going to be something completely different which which we can harvest separately and harvest more efficiently. I mean combine harvesters are fantastically expensive wonderful <laughs> machines but there's always a massive crop left behind coming out in the straw, yeah. isn't there? Yeah. yeah. Um, if you could optimise every single grain off a, off, a, off a wheat plant, your yields would probably go up, yeah, five or six percent. I think. Yeah. So, um, what does 2050 look like then?
2: I think this happened more quickly than 2050. You still have you still have an agronomist. You still have a farm manager. You still have people who work on your farm. You still have. Uh, everything that you enjoy about farming, but the tools that you use are are more accurate, um, and uh, and and the and the way that your farm interacts with the with the environment is is dramatically different. So you have an agronomist who who comes onto the farm and he meets you in your in your farm office and rather than uh, and and you have a, a software platform that you're interact with you have a big screen on the side of your on, on the side of your farm office wall and it says everything is is great with your wheat crop apart from um, these couple of corners of, of this field, and you tap on the screen and it zooms in to the to the plant level and you can see that there 's been some instance of a, of a disease happening and then maybe the agronomist goes out and, and has a look and, and ground truths that and, and has a look and has a look for themselves, but probably what you do is you then approve uh, an action um, for a, for another robot to go out and uh, and, and, t- and take action on that field and then the so the, the the management of the of the farm and the understanding of what's going on in the crops is basically happening in a really easy way and then you as the farmer have really identified what it is that makes your farm unique and you unique as a person
1: so the farmer is spending his time maximizing his potential income by doing the thing that he's strongest at as well as farming
2: exactly yeah
1: so Let's let's get some more, sort of more, um, you know, difficult questions. So, it's what drives it? it's it's satellite driven.
2: Yes. Yeah, so it is. So it's using an RTK system um, with a GNSS receiver. So it's locating to within to within two centimeters um, using using that stuff.
1: Well, RTK kindly uh, kindly sponsored our first ten episodes. So oh, I'm glad to hear go. RTK were uh, are, are involved in this. The next question is power you know it's not going to be driven on a diesel engine is it
2: no so batteries um so we're using something called a lifey battery at the moment which gives us about two to three hours of, of charge pretty small pretty cheap we're obviously going to need some some slightly bigger beefier batteries to do um, to do more of the stuff as, as we go forward but but actually battery technology is is one of those you know? We're, we're not worried about that at all, actually, because because battery that's where the
1: energy, pardon the pun, is, isn't it? Everyone is looking at yeah, batteries, exactly,
2: um, and, and and that's one of the you know one, one of the other things I often say about this is the the exciting and and the reason that I said you know a few minutes ago that I think this is one of the best times to be a farmer is that there is this convergence of technologies um, being being developed all over the world that are going to make farming easier, safer. More profitable, more enjoyable, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's um,
1: refreshing to hear that optimism. I've got to say, I think, I think we're going to have to wind up. shortly. Yeah. just just one other thought that springs to mind is obviously, you know, if you get this fantastic success with with uh, with farming, uh, you're going to have to start looking at, at producing the perfect grain trader robot, and hmm. I'd like to suggest that you call it Andrew. Okay, <laughs> it's it's under consideration.
2: <laughs> it's under consideration, Andrew.
1: Sam. that that has been really enlightening and and you know this is as cutting edge as it gets this is ahead of where we are and and i'm i've been fascinated by this and yeah talking to you i was i was skeptical before i got to see you i was thinking nah, no way can that work but i'm i'm very impressed and i'm impressed with your optimism and enthusiasm so the very best of luck to you
2: thanks andrew thanks for the opportunity pleasure
0: And now it's time for Farm Chat.
3: So, right, we're uh, we're back. It's our um, second week of dry January. Um, and this week we're sampling a, um Elsham tap water. What a delight. <laughs> okay, let's do that because we
1: know what the reaction is going to be already, don't we? Throw a lemon with that, Andrew. <laughs> Elsham tap water is absolutely awful. Limestone and chemical and disgusting the reason we have a water machine in the office is because
3: our from tap water is so rubbish but all for good cause dry january the the uh, the body feels better already
1: we're well on aren't we we're doing well we haven't actually broken yet have we ian
3: no norfolk dinner coming up ian (laughs) no pressure that's a struggle we'll see when we get there
1: okay last week we were talking about the merchant's dream for what they'd like farmers to do and we've got a few more to add to the list which one have you got well, Well, service versus front-end price is is was the way we appreciate service versus front-end price. You can quite often bid a price that makes a 1% return for you. Sure, yeah. yeah. And then the the farmer will get bid a pound more. It happens, yeah. And it's, really. it's kind of the merchant now has to be grown
3: up and walk away and let the other merchant buy it. Mm. I think you have to appreciate sort of sometimes through the year that... You will have advice and conversations with your merchant and your trader. And you, it's sometimes to consider that at the time of the conversation and, and remember back to it rather than, yeah, that, that price at the minute on that particular day.
1: I think every trader, if someone kind of sticks with you, I don't mean trying to buy stuff cheap. If you think that's the price, that's the price. Pay your best price whenever you bid. I have to be fair, yeah. But the guys that actually go, okay, do what you think, mm. you, you bust every gut for, don't you? You really try for and the ones that sell you down the road, it's like next time they phone up, yeah, I bid them less. I do. Yeah. I'll confess. I confess. I, you know, if if I, you get messed around, mm. you get to know who is worth fighting for, and you fight for them. It's a relationship thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. of course, yeah. it is. It is yeah. an understanding. You know where your grain goes, and what, you know the, the dynamics of, of where stuff is being saved for you versus just you know, let's hawk it up to Yorkshire. Those risks are things you also got to consider when, you know, where are you
3: taking the grain to? But, yeah, the trade would like to be appreciated, everybody. Um, I think what, what we've got uh, next on the list, um, this is quite a funny one. There's some quite funny banter going on. I'll unnamed drop David Hillier from a great caption he put on Twitter a couple of years ago about. But this, but this one is, um, Don't Believe Your Neighbours Yield. What did he the put point. on his Twitter? then? Well, he put what? quite an amusing picture. He took a picture of his combine monitor, basically implying that he had, you know, the record world yield. I can't remember exactly how it detailed, but it was it was very it was very funny. It was it was the uh, I think the pub pub banter grain monitor. Okay, and it was it was entertaining. I, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, the, the pub banter grain <laughs> monitor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah well, suggesting there was a fifteen to sixteen ton yield, and you know he's <laughs> outdone his mates, and it's yeah. Well, don't believe your Neighbours yield is
1: is is a recipe for a healthy life, isn't it?
3: This is this is an interesting
1: one. This is actually, you know, obviously some merchants own lorries, so they've got their own fleet that they support, and they make, you know, they, they will make sure that those lorries get uh, the, the rates that make the, their lorry make money. But there is a dwindling fleet of lorries, and and it's be as as flexible or support your local hauliers. as it was was the consensus? you know if you don't look after those guys and i, I appreciate the merchants the one who pays mm. and the money so therefore we're the baddies but there is a point at which you know there is a haulage rate that you can only afford to pay if the price mm. is higher x farm and not high enough to the consumer that the bit in between has to be paid by somebody and if you're going to screw the hauliers into the floor or get the mm. cheapest possible haulier from miles away to come in and just about make it work okay but unless there's a healthy margin in there you won't end up with your local haulier
3: will you no that they are essential to any sort of farm gate business it's um again it comes back to service isn't it a lot of farmers have a great relationship with the hauliers and it's yeah it goes back to down to appreciation and looking after the local guys where would we be without Jimmy Gray yeah yeah the, the local hero yeah. and eastern Oh there's there's a few others who drop in heirs, there I don't want and to warned. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely there's I can't say we've got favourites obviously Jimmy yeah, we've long time uh, history there but a lot of very strong local hauliers and um, i mean a classic example last week we had a boat that was pushed back and unfortunately these guys pushed back two days and at the drop of hat they bang they were there and um, when you need them come the hour they were they were there so no we've got some we've yeah. got some
1: really really great hauliers and I th- it's something we're very conscious of and there are getting less and less of those lorries out there
3: 2019 whew. well we're gonna have an interesting start this year i mean we were gonna <laughs> see the vote kick the uh, kick article 50
1: down the road a bit perhaps and buy ourselves six months of uh, more negotiations or
3: no deal or well yeah the political world (laughs) is um, i don't know where we go we've spoken about it several times can't really comment anymore it's it's very difficult to forecast well it's
1: going to be volatile leading up to the point where there's a definite uh, decision and at that point the bubble bursts. You know, when, when we voted for Brexit, the market dropped sterling terms 15% and that went straight onto your prices. If we get some sort of certainty, we're either going to be seeing an increase in the value of sterling or we're going to be seeing tariffs on exports. That's uh, to a Brexiteer project fear. And the only part of me that wants project, the Brexiteers to face up to the day is if we, if we had a no deal, I would love it. To f- oh, I'd love to know how they're going to explain away the dynamics of what's actually happening out there and how it's not their fault how it's in fact Theresa May's fault or somebody else's I don't want to really find that out I simply want to get some form of deal which allows us to trade with our friends and neighbours in Europe um, we have an Irish friend I'm, I'm, going, to the, uh, I'm going to the Dublin dinner that's another one I'm going to fail on well, the dry January. I think that's the last week it's of like, Jan isn't it you so? can't go to Dublin and, and not drink the, the, that stuff and I'm I'm playing for the uh, for the UK um, team the versus the Irish and luckily, we've got a ringer from, from uh, Holland called Frank, who plays in goal. He's like Mr Elastic Arms, he saves everything. Okay. And and up until now, the last few years, um, uh, Porag plays for the Irish team, uh, the comex McGinnon side. And uh, he's he's older than I am and not quite so flexible. And certainly, if you hit the ball along the ground, you've got a good chance for him not reaching down to get it. <laughs> so even I've scored goals, and apparently he's retired from being in goal. So my, my goal-scoring days oh, are... now you're off. numbered. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> terrible but you know it, you know i was talking to him before christmas and uh, we had a long in-depth conversation about the dynamics of the of the irish border and, and it boils down to it's it's the mafia it's not it's not that it's not the north and the south it's the people who get an advantage from trading commodities between two separate uh, economies and uh yeah, the next thing you have is is going to be unfortunately troubles so it's real out there but more importantly, it bemuses the Irish and the rest of Europe as to quite what we're getting up to. Uh, he would just like to trade with us.
3: Yeah, yeah, free
1: borders. It was, um, yeah, I think we'd all like to benefit from that. Maybe 2019 is going to see it. Maybe it's not. Yeah. We're kind of, I don't know, we'll we'll wait. And in the meantime, I wish you all the very best of weather. I hope that you know your part of the world gets exactly what you want to happen. Let's hope it all goes well for the UK and we have another sound year. And I hope we have some form of uh, certainty and then we can all get on and stop whinging on about, about Brexit.
3: Yep, so I'll uh, raise glass valves and tap water for that.
0: Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they're released. and Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts we can supply you with the best strategies to help you achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Call now on 01263 731 550 or email info at uk, or follow us on Twitter. We are at Grain. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by Tinshed Productions in conjunction with East Coast Design Studio.